Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are previewing the second event of the PGA Tour's fall swing for the 2023-2024 season, the Sanderson Farms Championship taking place in Jackson, Mississippi. Now, this is not exactly the most attractive field for a PGA Tour event that we're going to see. In fact, it's quite poor, if I'm being honest. But with the Ryder Cup being last week and you know golf taking a week off before that, a lot of the focus is not on the golfing world right now. So we've got a really big opportunity where if we're willing to dive in and do the research and find the right guys, we can make some money playing DFS, we can make some money in the player prop market, and we can make some money in the betting market because a lot of other people are focusing on football right now, as they rightfully should because it is football season. But golf season never stops. So that is why we are here to bring you this video. And if you want football content, we do that as well. So make sure you subscribe the channel and you'll be notified when all of our college football and NFL content drops. Now, for this episode, we are going to break down the course itself, the Country Club of Jackson, uh, and then we're going to identify some golfers that need to be in your DFS lineups and on your betting cards if you want to win some money on the PGA Tour this week. So let's go ahead and get things kicked off here by talking about the Country Club of Jackson. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right, so the Country Club of Jackson is a par 72, and it actually maxes out at almost 7,500 yards. It is actually one of the longer venues on the PGA Tour um, used all season. If you can see the flyover on YouTube, um, they did upload some flyovers of all 18 holes um, to their official YouTube page, so it's kind of really good to go by to see what the course is going to look like. But this is like kind of a long golf course. However, it does end up being quite a bit of a birdie fest. So while it is long, it doesn't necessarily equate to difficulty um, here at the Country Club of Jackson. Basically, what you've got is a lot of uh, par threes and par fours that are, you know, kind of longer than they are difficult. And the reason for that is there's just not a whole lot of hazards off the tee. Um, you know, the fairways here are pretty narrow, so the fairway percentage is actually quite low here, but there's just not a whole lot of trouble left for you if you do miss the fairway. Like, it is kind of difficult to get yourself in tree trouble. There's not a whole lot of water on a whole lot of the holes. And it's just really kind of an easy driving course, if I must say so. And so what tends to happen is you end up seeing approach play and putting be absolutely key to winning here at the Country Club of Jackson. So one thing I do want to add is that the greens um, on their official site have been, quote unquote, Donald Ross influence. So while the course itself was not designed by the great Donald Ross, he apparently had some influence and some insight into these greens. So it's not uncommon to see guys who putt well here um, that putted well at other Donald Ross courses, such as Sepp Straka, who putted very well here last year uh, and then ended up putting very well at the PGA Championship. Just, just a nice little tidbit there. Now, in terms of the scorecard, this course has six par fours in between 400 and 450 yards. And with there being very minimal hazards and not a whole lot of dog legs, that just means you're going to be looking at a lot of approaches in between 100 and 150 yards on those course or on those holes. And then you've got some par threes that are over 200 and some reachable par fives that are going to give you some 200 plus yard approaches as well. So you're kind of looking at, for the most part with this course, a lot of approach shots in between the 100 and 150 window and then over 200. There's also one drivable par four um, that's about 320 yards. That's a little bit of a risk reward hole um, that guys do tend to just try to bomb away at nowadays. Now the greens themselves are Bermuda grass and they tend to be pretty easy to put on, which we have seen go one of two ways, right? Like easy to put on greens can benefit good putters if they're just able to 
make the putts, right? Like, you know, you've got some very straightforward reads that guys that are good at green reading are going to be able to line it up and knock it down. It also benefits poor putters because poor putters, you know, that have a good stroke and struggle at green reading can just, you know, kind of be a little bit boosted, a little bit helped by that. So um, you're looking at a situation where the easy to put on greens, it can go either way. It can benefit good putters. It can also benefit poor putters. So the name of the game this week for me is I'm looking at approach play to determine just who I want to target here um, at this course in my DFS lineups and on my betting card. Approach play is what I'm looking for more than any Anything else. And in fact, if you look at a list of winners here, it's actually quite eclectic in terms of the types of golfers that you see. You see great putters like Mackenzie Hughes, like Sergio Garcia, like Ryan Armour and Peter Malnati, and even Nick Taylor, I think you could put in that discussion. And then you also see some bombers, like you have um, Sebastian Munoz, you've got Cameron Champ, you've got Cody Gribble, and then you have Sam Burns, who kind of does a little bit of both of those things. So really, I think at the end of the day, there's multiple paths to victory, but the bottom line is you're going to have to be hitting those approaches close and you're going to have to have a good week with the putter if you want to win here at this course. Now, in terms of comp courses, um, I do think there are a few of them. I think other long, easy golf courses comp very well to this one. So I'm talking about Detroit Golf Club, home of the Rocket Mortgage, talking about TPC Twin Cities, home of the Three Open, um, Vedanta Vallarta, home of the Mexico Open. And then you've also seen some crossover success between guys who play well here at two tournaments, um, and that is the John Deere Classic and the Fortinet Championship, in which, convenient enough for us, the Fortinet Championship was just played three weeks ago, so you can have a little bit of bankable results there. All right, so that does it for the Country Club of Jackson. So let's go ahead and see if we can figure out just who we're going to end up targeting at this course this week. All right, so at the top of the board this week in the betting market, the DraftKings and FanDuel market, like it's going to be Ludwig Aberg at the top of the board this week, which entirely makes sense coming off of what I would consider him to be the breakthrough star of the Ryder Cup, which to kind of recap the Ryder Cup, y'all, like Zach Johnson, I just... I know it's easy to second guess in hindsight, but I just don't think he did a great job as captain. I, I don't think he did a great job with the captain's picks. I don't think he did a great job in terms of team strategy and how he set up his pairings. And, and I just don't think that the U.S. team was adequately prepared and strategized to play the course at Marco Simone like the Europeans were. And the Europeans just lit him up for it. Like to me, at the end of the day, I think they needed to pick some guys who fit the course a little bit better um, or just go with some guys like Bryson DeChambeau who are just playing some absolute lights out golf and just rely on, you know, recent form and course fit, kind of like, you know, picking a DFS lineup. Like if Zach Johnson were picking a DFS lineup, he's the guy in the tournament that, you know, is just picking all his boys, just picking all the guys that he likes as opposed to, you know, picking it using data and using, you know, reasoning and, and strategy. So um, disappointing from the American side. And, and I do think they're going to get their get back in two years at that page black. But anyway, Ludwig A was great at the Ryder Cup. He was paired with Victor Hovland most times. He was very impressive with the driver. Um, and, and I just think this is a really good spot for him. I think, you know, pound for pound, he's the most talented golfer in the field. Um, he is yet to win on the PGA Tour with him just coming up in the summer last year. But he's been very good on the DP World Tour. He did win on the DP World Tour at the Omega European Masters. He's been top 10 in each of his last three European World Tour or DP World Tour starts. And also, I think he's got motivation to play well this week. Like, yeah, it'd be really easy for him to just say, you know what, I just want a Ryder Cup. I'm not coming over here this week. And he might withdraw in between now and then. So, you know, that's, that's totally a possibility. But 
to me, he's got some motivation to play this and, and win this because he wants to get in the top 50 in the FedEx Cup fall standings. That way he can be guaranteed to play in the first few elevated events next season. It's a really weird system, but it gives guys like Ludwig, like um, you know, like a Keith Mitchell or a Bo Hossart, you know, these guys that were just outside looking in at the end of last season, it gives these guys some motivation to show up in the fall and play well. So that way they can get that big paycheck at the elevated event in um, next season. So bottom line, Ludwig Aberg, super talented, decent course fit. Um, I think he's the best golfer in the field. If you want to fade him for you know the whole Ryder Cup hangover narrative, I don't mind it, but I just think he's the best golfer in the field pound for pound. Now, Steven Yeager is a guy who has some really good results at some of my comp courses. He played well at the Rocket Mortgage. He played well at the 3M. He played well at the John Deere, which sees him crossover success for this one. He played well at the Mexico Open, right? But the only thing that he doesn't really have going for him is um, his putting can be really up and down. Last week at the Fortnite, he finished T45, and he lost four strokes putting. So the good news is if he just brings his T to green game that he had last week, this could be a really good week for him. He did finish 30th here at last year's Sanderson Farm Championship. So I definitely think Steven Yeager has a very high ceiling, but if the putter doesn't show up, it's probably going to be another disappointing week for him. If he is able to show up here and putt on these easy Bermuda greens, it can be a really good week for Steven Yeager, and he has the upside to win this golf tournament. Eric Cole, I think, is the perfect course fit. And we talked about this, you know, for the Fortinet a few weeks ago. Um, basically, courses that de-emphasize total driving are going to be good fits for Eric Cole because he's not very long off the tee and he makes up for it by not being very accurate off the tee either. That, that was a joke. What he does do, though, is he's an elite approach player and he's a really good putter. And so last week, um, event that he played at the Fortnite Championship. He finished fourth, and he led the field in strokes gain approach. This is another course that should suit him well if he can just keep it inbounds off the tee, be really good on approach, and make some putts, which he really didn't do a whole lot of at the Fortnite. Then Eric Cole is another guy who has the upside to win this golf tournament, and I really think this is a really good spot for Eric Cole. Now, Emiliano Grillo is next on the board. He's the last golfer in the 10K range on DraftKings. And I think this is another solid play as well, but for different reasons. He did not play very well to end the season. You know, you may look at that finish at the Tour Championship and the BMW Championship and be like, oh, those were top 30 finishes. That's not bad. Well, you got to remember, BMW Championship had 50 players. Tour Championship had 30 players. He came in 29th at the Tour Championship out of 30 players. It's not great. So um, while his recent form coming in leaves much to be desired, he has been really good at this course, right? He it was T5 here last year, and he has never missed a cut at the Sanderson Farms Championship. You know, for whatever reason, Emiliano Grillo just seems to play well here. And, and he has a win at the Fortnite Championship, which is one of my comp courses. So I definitely think that this is a really good spot for Grillo. Just if you're somebody who prioritizes recent form, he's not a guy that you need to be getting into your lineups. Now, to talk about some of the guys in the 9K range, I think if I'm playing on DraftKings, I think that all four of those guys in the 10K range are in a spot where you can start your lineup with them. Um, I probably would prefer to do so this week, honestly. I think those four, in terms of a pure skill level standpoint, are ahead of the rest of the field, if I'm being totally honest. Um, and I kind of think that in DraftKings, I want to get one of those guys at the top and then just want to kind of backfill it with a pretty balanced build. I, I kind of think that there's some points where the field kind of falls off and I don't really want to go below 7K this week. More on that a little bit later. And so if you're able to get one of these guys up at the top, you can backfill it with some 8K and 7K guys that are just as good. But the 9K range is where you're probably going to see a whole lot of guys get very low owned because I think that 
a lot of people this week aren't going to go this range. It's just kind of the vibe I'm getting here on Monday night recording it. So in the 9K range, who are some low-owned guys that we could go to that might be pretty good? So Keith Mitchell is almost 10K. He's 9,900 in this field. And look, he's just a great driver of the golf ball. He, he hits the ball really far. He hits it really straight. And so he's going to give himself plenty of opportunities to have easy approach shots into these easy greens. And if he is able to hit those approaches to distance where he can make the putts, then it can be a really good week for Keith Mitchell. Keith Mitchell being from the southern United States, he grew up playing Bermuda Greens, y'all. Like, he is going to put his best on Bermuda Greens. He has historically. And so if there were ever a spot for Keith Mitchell, this would be a pretty good spot for him. A course where he can just bomb away with that driver and, and, you know, let it put him in good situations and then cash in on the type of greens that he puts the best on. So I think this is a pretty good spot for Keith Mitchell. Now, S.H. Kim is in, I think, a pretty good spot as well. He finished runner-up at the Fortnite a few weeks ago, and he also finished 13th here last year. Now, like Grillo, the recent form leaves a little bit to be desired. He's got a lot of missed cuts um, in his recent history, but the finish at the Fortnite with the runner-up where he was really good tee to green, and then the finish here last year that was 13th place, I think S.H. Uh, Kim's definitely in a good spot. I'm going to be honest, I thought he would be a little bit cheaper on DraftKings, but I'm definitely okay with playing him at the price that he is at, and I don't think a whole lot of people are going to be lining up to play him. Alex Smalley, I'm sorry, I skipped one. Doug Gim is the last guy in the 9K range that I do want to talk about. Um, look, he's just been a great approach player in really kind of like the last, I'll, I'll say like eight or so months, like dating back to like um, like the RBC Heritage is when his approach play really started cooking up. And you just saw a run of good finishes from Doug Gim over the summer. And he was T17 at the Fortinet, which is one of my comp courses, which kind of gives me a little bit of hope that he's playing some pretty good golf. Um, he's a great approach player, which is what I'm prioritizing this week. And so I think Doug Gim is going to be in a pretty good spot. And I think he really does have the upside to win this tournament. I, I probably wouldn't start a DraftKings lineup with him, but I definitely think he's playable as a second guy in, and, and there's definitely still plenty of guys you can get to backfill that lineup. Now, speaking of approach players, you have two guys in the upper 8K range that fit that description. The first one is Alex Smalley. So Alex Smalley is a guy that really the best aspect of his game is approach play, and that was on display at the John Deere Classic, where really, if we're being honest, he maybe should have won that tournament. He ended up T2 to Sepp Straka, who had just a miraculous Sunday. Um, but Smalley is a good approach player, um, and he just kind of, that's the best aspect of his game, right? And so at a place that emphasizes approach play, like, that's kind of where I want to play Alex Smalley at. Now, the bad news is, is he did miss the cut here last year. Um, but if you look at his fall as a whole last year, he did have three top 15 finishes in the PGA Tour's fall swing. So maybe this is the right time of year for him. He's also a guy who grew up in North Carolina, which as somebody from North Carolina myself, a lot of Bermuda grass greens that he played on growing up, including um, Sedgefield Country Club, where he is a member at. So I got to feel like he's comfortable for these greens. And I got to feel like his approach play is going to allow him to have a good finish this week. So Alex Smalley is a guy that I'm going to be strongly considering. Mark Hubbard is a guy that I'm considering as well. And again, continuing with the theme, he's just a long-term, really good approach player. The recent form isn't great, but I just want guys who I know can have really good approach weeks. And he has some good finishes at some of my comp courses. Last year, he was T5 at this event, and he led the field in strokes gained approach, or strokes gained strokes gained approach. There we go. If he had just made a few more putts here last year, he probably would have won this tournament. Uh, and so I definitely think Mark Hubbard is in a really good spot. 
Now, the last guy in the 8K range that I do want to talk about before we break is Sam Ryder. So when you think about what this course emphasizes, right, Sam Ryder just has a game that fits the course to me. He's a really good putter of the golf ball. He is not a good driver of the golf ball. So his weakness, which is driving, is going to be mitigated by the setup because, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of punishment for missing the fairway. And his ability to putt is something that if he gives himself enough makeable birdie looks, he's going to be able to cash it in. And Sam Ryder does have the potential for a good week. Um, his recent form coming in the end of the summer was pretty good with three straight top 40s in um, not terrible field events. And then he also had a T14 last of timeout at the Fortinet. So I think Sam Ryder is in a really good spot. He's the last guy that I really want to mention here in this segment. Now, before we um, pick it back up, I do want to say, if you want to know just who I am playing in my DFS lineups or just who I think are, um, you know, like narrowing it down or, you know, something uh, as the week goes by comes up, you know, there are other places you can find me. You can follow me on X at Mike's Money Picks. I tweet out the rundown for DFS purposes every Wednesday. I'm also in the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description on YouTube. Um, we've got a lot of smart people in there who talk DFS for a lot of different sports, NFL, college football, golf, NBA, MLB, and more. Um, and so just join that and, you know, you're going to have access to a lot of people talking a, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good discussion in there. And also I do write a full article every week on the Patreon. Um, I do write the full articles, but I do not write them for free. So head on over to patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. You will get my core plays uh, and what I think about ownership and strategy and stuff like that for DFS each week for golf, NFL, and college football. And lastly, if you're looking to try something new this season, maybe you want to try a new DFS site, you want to try player props, you want to try just straight up betting. Well, for any DFS player prop or sportsbook site, uh, head on over to my page at signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks. Um, you'll get all the best offers and promo codes for any of those sites, and it's synced to your location. And using my landing page will shows me some support as well, and I really do appreciate it. So if you're looking to try something new, check out signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks. Now, the bottom of the 8K range and the 7K range have a lot of what I would consider talent plays, where it's guys that I just think are really talented, and I think they're going to break through for some victories on the PGA Tour soon, and it wouldn't shock me in four or five years if they're guys that are winning majors, just because I think that they're young, they're up and coming, they have the game, they have the talent to win in places like this. Starting that list off with Davis Thompson, who's $8,200 on DraftKings. He made the cut here at this event last year. He was T22 at the Fortinet. Um, he's just a guy that he tends to play his best at courses where you don't get punished for being inaccurate off the tee because that's kind of his weakness. And so I think at a course where you can kind of spray it around a little bit like this one, I think it's a really good uh, spot for Davis Thompson, and, and it would not shock me to see him win this event. Garrett Higo is another one who actually came really close to winning this event last year. Um, he was actually a third-place finisher last year. was just out of the playoff between Mackenzie Hughes and Sepp Straka. Um, and you know, I really think he could put that success together again. It's a good course fit for him. Like Davis Thompson, he really sprays it off the tee. So this is a good course to have Matt because he's not going to get punished a whole lot for missing the fairway. Akshay Batia, if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, you know, my affinity for Akshay. Um, you know, I was on him pretty much for the last year and a half ish. Um, and he won at the Barracuda, finally paid everything off. And, and I think it's the first of many for him. I think he's really talented. The only weakness of his game is the putter. And as fickle as putting is, 
I just think that one week he's just going to have a week where he puts the lights out and he's going to win that golf tournament because the rest of his TD green game is so good. He's a lefty. He hits it really far. He's really accurate with his irons. He's got the complete game except the putter. And so when he does finally put that putter together, he's just going to rattle off wins and I want to be on him when he does. Now, the other two are going to be a little further down in cost. Peter Quest came up um, on the PGA Tour at the end of the summer, had some really good finishes at courses where you could kind of be a little bit inaccurate, like the Byron Nelson, like the Rocket Mortgage, like the John Deere. Um, so I don't think it's a poor spot for him. He did miss the cut at the Fortinet, which was a little bit disappointing for his recent form, but I do think that he's talented, and I don't think that it's a poor course fit. And then last guy that fits this description is Sam Bennett, the darling of last year's Masters and U.S. Open, Look, he's just if you got the talent to do that at the Masters in the US Open, like you can win an event like the Sanderson Farms if you just play the same way you did that week. And so I kind of think he's another guy that I'm just willing to bet on talent, and he's at a very affordable price tag on DraftKings. I think in terms of pure talent, he should probably be up there at like 8,000, not sitting down there at 7,200. Now, in the rest of the 7Ks, you've got another few interesting stories. Davis Riley is a local, he is actually from Mississippi. Um, last year, he did play this event and come in 19th. Um, I think Davis Riley is a guy who's really up and down on the PGA Tour, really inconsistent. And, you know, if he does, you know, use a little bit that home turf advantage, it could be a really good finish for him, especially at an affordable price tag. And then at $7,700 on DraftKings, you've got only the defending champ, Mackenzie Hughes. He's not playing some great golf coming in, but... Anytime you've won in an event before, particularly last year, it obviously shows that you're a pretty good course fit. It obviously shows that you have a very high ceiling. And so I kind of like the idea of going back to the defending champ at a very affordable price tag on DraftKings. Now, two other guys that I like a lot fit the description for what we've been looking for um, you know, throughout kind of this whole theme is we want good approach play, right? Well, both of the Wu brothers, Dylan and Brandon, are really good at approach, and both of them have racked up good finishes at my comp courses, like Dylan Wu with his T5 at the 3M Open, T24 at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, um, T15 at the Mexico Open. Like, these guys just rack up good finishes at those courses. Dylan Wu was also T14 at the Fortinet. Um, earlier this year, and both of the Wu brothers actually made the cut here last year. Brandon Wu's finishes at my comp courses might have been even better than Dylan's. Um, he ended up with a third place finish at the Mexico Open, which I think is a really good comp to this one. So um, I definitely think that both of these guys are in really good shape. The only determination is going to be which one do you play. I think they're both pretty good plays, if I'm being totally honest. Callum Tarrant is a guy who is a high ceiling golfer. He's a guy that I play all the time in like showdown DFS or like if you're doing like the drafts on underdog, um, which I enjoy doing quite a bit. Um, you know, just he's got a really high ceiling for individual rounds. And if he ever strings it together for all four rounds, he's going to have a chance to win a golf tournament. It just never seems to pan out for him. He always seems to have one or two rounds that kill him. But if he does play his ceiling for four re for four straight rounds, he is a guy that has the possibility to win this golf tournament. Now, Nick Hardy is another guy that I like a lot. You know, you talk about, you know, course fit. He kind of has the same issues that Davis Thompson and Gary Kigo have, where he can kind of spray it off the tee just a little bit. Well, this is a course where it's kind of okay to do that. And he showed up last year with a T5 here. So uh, I definitely think this is a pretty good fit for Nick Hardy. I expected him to be a little bit higher priced um, in this field. I expected him to be around $8,000. So I think he's actually a bit of a value on DraftKings. Now, in terms of the approach shots that you're going to be seeing this week, 
you know, you're going to have a few long approaches this week. And so there are two guys here in the 7K range that are good at those type of shots. That is Chad Ramey and MJ Duffy. Both of them have traditionally played their best on the PGA Tour at longer golf courses, of which this one is. So I kind of think this is a decent spot for both Chad Ramey and MJ Duffy. And I don't think they're super big names that would end up being, you know, super high owned in DFS formats. Another guy that I think is going to kind of fly in under the radar is Scott Stongs, just because his recent form is kind of crap, but he's been pretty good here at the Sanderson Farms Championship. He has two top 15 finishes here in his last three trips. So you've got a guy who clearly knows the course, clearly plays well at the course, and I would be okay with playing Scott Stallings as a value in DraftKings this week. Now, the 6K range in general is pretty ugly, like if I'm being totally honest. I, I'm really totally fine building lineups that just don't go into this 6k range right like i think you've got guys that have a lot of variability guys that have some upside like um you know a trey molinax a will gordon harry hall you know we've seen good finishes out of those guys on the pga tour but there's just nobody really in here that just you can bank on that's a super solid performer so are there you know some upside plays that we can go with i'd like marty doe he's a guy that i mentioned here on the show before he's a guy that watching him on the feeds and on the broadcast when he's been on there, he's a super aggressive course management guy. He is going to fire away at pins. And this is a course where you can kind of do that without a whole lot of penalty. And so if Marty Doe does have a good week on approach with his aggressive strategy, he's going to give himself plenty of makeable birdie putts. So I think he's a solid upside play, as is Ryan Girard. He's another young guy that I just think is up and coming and is super talented. Fifth place finish at the Barracuda, you know, shows a little bit of the upside that he had. Um, and I just think he's going to break through for one of these eventually. And, and this is not a terrible spot to do it at, given the weakness of this field. There is one course horse down here in the 6K range, and that is Henrik Norlander. Um, shockingly, given given how, you know, kind of very, well, he, he just hasn't been great lately. Let's just put it that way. And he has been really good here at the Country Club of Jackson. He owns two T4s and a T24 in his last three trips to the Country Club of Jackson. Clearly, there's something that goes right for him when he enters this course, and I'm willing to make him, you know, kind of a GPP type of play down there at $6,700 if I'm going to be putting him in my lineups. All right, now, before we close, let's go ahead and talk one-and-done strategy. So, first off, I said this for the Fortnite. If your one-and-done goes all the way through the wraparound season, congratulations, you have some dedication, and you must be willing to do a lot of research because you're going to have to play some pretty ugly type of plays in your one-and-done league if you are playing it throughout the entirety of the PGA Tour season. I think this is a tournament where the field is so weak that – I'm going to tell you, you can just fire away. Like, just pick the guy you think is going to win. Like, are there guys in this event that next summer might be looked at as, like, top 20, top 25 players in the world? Yes, yes, there are. But you could also get them, like, before they're thought of as being that. And then you could play, you know, the the other guys, you know, in the next spring and summer if you want to. So what I'm saying is I don't feel the need right now to save any one of these guys for any course down the road. 
right? Like, maybe, like, if you're thinking, oh, well, I have to play 50 events. Steven Yeager's been good at the Rocket Mortgage. Maybe I can pencil in Steven Yeager for the Rocket Mortgage. If you want to do something like that, go go ahead and do it. But I just think that this is the type of place where, you know, it's going to be a birdie fest. There's going to be a lot of people in this field who can win it. Pick the guy you think is going to win the event and, and worry about figuring out the other events down the road just because I think that there's not a whole lot of guys in here that you're going to want to use down the road. So who would I pick if I were playing one and done? I would probably go ahead and go with Eric Cole. I think he would be my guy this week. I really like what he did at the Fortinet. I really like the fit for him at the course in general. Um, I also think Garrick Higo will be another really natural pick coming off of the uh, third place finish here last year. And there's not a whole lot of courses on the PGA Tour that I think would be a really good fit for Garrick Higo. And this is one of them. All right, so that does it for the Sanderson Farms 2023 preview. We broke down the course, gave some comp courses, gave the skill sets that are going to succeed, and we went over some guys that we are going to be putting in our DFS lineups and on our betting cards this week, as well as talking one-and-done strategy as well. So that was a good full preview, and we got it done in less than 30 minutes. Remember, if you want more of me, follow me on X at Mike's Money Picks. Link to the Fantasy Corner Discord is in the description, and you've got the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Go ahead, and if you like what you saw in this video, guys, hit that like button. It really shows me some support and helps me out a lot. And subscribe to the channel. You'll be notified when all of our weekly golf, college football, and um, NFL content drops throughout the rest of the fall and next spring, summer, and beyond. So just hit that subscribe button. That way you can get all the videos and podcasts directly to Um, you via notification. All right, that does it for this episode, y'all. Best of luck to everybody this week. Hopefully, we're able to give you some information that's going to help you in DFS, bets, player props, one and done, whatever it is this week. Hopefully, we gave you guys some info that's going to help you out. Thank you guys for watching and listening, and I will see you next time.